This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, we are back with another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am John, and I'm with my co-host, Jalen. Jalen, it's always good to see you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, things have been really busy with ministry. Some things have come up um, that have been really challenging and difficult, and it's required some um, pretty intense conversations with some mm. people who are struggling in our congregation. But it's also helped me and our English elder, our English ministry elder, to uh, work together really well. I think I'm so grateful that I have another elder that I'm working with. And mm -hmm. so that has been for me really helpful, encouraging. Um, we've been able to pray together, obviously through it all and bounce ideas off of each other and support each other because, you know, there are, there, there are things that happen in pastoral ministry, as you know, that are just gut wrenching and decisions that need to be made that, if you're the only guy making the decision, it is, it's brutal, right? It's, it's, you know, the, the consequences can feel monumental, but I think having an elder serving alongside and somebody that you can trust has been for me just, just so great. And so that's something I'm, I'm very thankful for in the midst of sort of just some crazy things that are happening in our church right now. Um, and that's, you know, not across the board, but just, just in this one, one or two particular areas, I'm just so grateful that, there's an elder there that we're working through it together, that it's helping our relationship and our ministry partnership. So I'm really grateful for him. So huge shout out to elder Ed at, uh, in our, in our church, but yeah. How are you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing well. That sounds really heavy what you're going through. And so I can just sense it in hearing you talk about it. Um, so that's pretty tough. I'll be praying for you that the Lord would give you wisdom as you just navigate uh, difficult situations at church. Um, for me, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little swamped and uh, behind this week. Um, the last couple of days, so basically the first three days of, of the week, Monday to Wednesday, um, our church staff, our pastoral staff went on a uh, staff retreat. And so I've been waiting two and a half years to go on this retreat. Um, we had to cancel the last two years because of because of COVID. And so I've just been looking forward to a chance to really get away with our staff. And uh, it was, it was as good as, uh, as I had expected. Uh, better, actually, in fact, um, so I'll give you some quick highlights. Uh, I, we just had a ton of um, time to rest and uh, be together. And um, I don't know about other churches, how they do staff retreats. Um, I've never been on one before in the 12 years I was at WCAC, we never had one. Um, but uh, 
you know, maybe some churches, they do a lot of planning or vision casting for the future, but we did not do that. Um, we actually do a lot of that in our weekly staff meeting. And so staff retreat was really focused on just spending time together, getting to know one another better, uh, really hearing about just how is the Lord moving in our, in our own lives. Um, and so we had a great, great time of sharing about joys and challenges and pain. And I was like, oh, I should have recorded this because it's perfect for an episode of the, of the podcast. Yeah. Um, but that was a delight. And, and in particular, uh, I actually got a chance to hang out with two of our um, Chinese pastors, our two Mandarin pastors, and really um, hang out with them in a way that I've not really done before. We like basically like played games together, card games and board games and things. And it was it was just a blast getting to know them. You know, I mean, they're great guys and they do good ministry, but I don't think we've really had much of a chance to to just hang out in the two years that I've been here, because usually like the English side, we hang out together. And so I really, really enjoyed that. Um, one challenging thing from our retreat was that I did decide to go ziplining. Um, and I, I guess I could do a little promo right now because um, Sonoma Canopy Tours is actually owned by Alliance Redwoods, which is a CMA, um, you know, like a Christian retreat site uh, in uh, Occidental, which is just north of San Francisco. And suppose, and I guess not supposedly, like they are Sonoma county's best or number one zip line and so i had a chance to go on that and do these crazy zip lines and let me tell you i am not a fan of heights so i'm very thankful that the lord got me through it and i survived there was some questionable moments when i almost got stuck on a zip line but i had to pull myself back to the platform and uh yeah i was it was it was an experience that's that's all i'm gonna say but for those of you who who are listening that might be in Northern California and really like stuff like this, I would check out that Sonoma Canopy Tours, a free yeah. commercial for them. Oh yeah, we should figure out some way to get some sponsorship out of that. But no, when you sent me that video, I was I was amazed. I mean, like I have, a, I have an extreme fear of heights as well, but that looked incredible. Like the view and just the way that, it, that they have it set up, it looks, it looks incredible. So yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was cool looking. I mean, like, cause it's, you're up in like the redwood trees. It's like a hundred, maybe 200 feet above the floor. I don't even know. Like it was way, anything past 20 feet for me, just feels too far up in the air. And so I felt like I, while I did enjoy the view when I was like on the platform, holding onto the tree, when I was actually ziplining, I felt like I was thinking about all the things to make sure that I survived this 30 seconds on the zip line. <laughs> so I don't know how much of the view I actually enjoyed while I was up on the rope. Yeah. It was yeah. good. Yeah. That's really cool. And I, I'm, I'm glad you got to do that retreat. I mean, did, did the wives go, the families go, or was it just the, uh, just the pastors? Uh, it was staff? just our staff. Yeah. Very cool. Just yeah. our staff. Yeah. That's something that, man, as you were talking about it, I was like, I'm, I got to figure out a way to do that with our, with our pastoral staff. Just the three of us would be a, a cool little getaway too. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you're sharing and as you know, I just shared, I think certainly that the finding friendship within you know, our, with our ministry partners is so helpful and so important. And I think, you know, I'm just reminded of Psalm 133, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity and that idea of just, man, there's blessing there and it's helpful for our churches when that stuff happens. So I'm glad you got to do that. Yeah. And, you know, for, for you guys in Chicago, I know that there's retreat sites in Wisconsin and in Chicago that are very open to hosting pastors. Um, they want to give you guys a, a place to rest and retreat together and so we could talk about that off the air uh, about yeah. some of those sites but I, I there was a few that i would highly recommend because i've been there 
um, with other pastors before on retreats and it's, it's been good for our souls. So sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to introduce part two of our conversation with pastor Enoch Liao. Uh, he is again, the lead English pastor at Boston Chinese evangelical church. And we had a really good conversation. I think it was, uh, incredibly insightful and encouraging for me. I think, you know, as we've talked about sort of our aim for this season of the podcast is to, is to be a little bit more forward focused to think about what is sort of the, the trajectory, the future of the Chinese heritage church and what God is doing. I think that's something that obviously we're always wrestling with and thinking about, but it's also really helpful to hear from other pastors and other places and what they're doing. So this part of the, this part of the conversation, uh, just as good as the first one. Uh, so enjoy as we take part two of our conversation with Enoch. I think one of the questions I have hearing some of the challenges that you talked about, uh, whether it's like immigration challenges or the relationship with um, non-Chinese heritage churches, you know, what are, what are some ways that the Chinese Heritage Church can really prepare themselves for, for what's coming? You know, I mean, obviously none of us here are going to be able to like perfectly predict what's going to happen, right? Because it's up to the Lord. But I do think that there are probably ways that churches need to kind of get in the right mindset or prepare themselves to minister it, uh, based off of some of these shifts and trends that are um that you see on the horizon so what are can you think of any things that practically a church yeah. can do or or start thinking about at the very least or even talking about yeah no that's it's a great question i i have a couple strands of thoughts which means it's going to be even more convoluted and disparate than my normal thoughts uh, a couple things um i did mention how i think certain folks in our culture largely our african-american pastors and friends there is a weariness about kind of explaining concepts that maybe not everyone agrees with, but at least understanding the concepts of, is there such thing as privilege? Is there such thing as structural or systemic um, aspects of injustice or racism, right? So whether you agree or not to actually intellectually understand what that is. Um, and I think certain other non-white groups can now be helpful to add our voices to those conversations. And I want to say this, part of it is, is the unfortunate reality of the reported increase of reporting of crimes and hate crimes and crimes against Asians, right? I say reported because I know some people obviously think it's a hate crime. Other people would purport to do the study. So again, I don't mean to throw the gauntlet down and tell you what I think here, but there's definitely been an increase in reporting, whether it's just more reporting or there. And so what that has done, at least in Boston, there's been a lot more opportunities to speak. And it's not for the best reason. You know, I don't want to be invited to speak somewhere because, oh, look, some Asian had a violent crime and you're Asian. But I, I realized that over the past year or two, when certain things happened around our country and were widely reported on, I realized, and I'm not sure I feel about this, that I am the only Asian pastor that a lot of people know. And the reason why I say that is because I got text messages or emails and posts about that. Now it's some of is all well intended. Like, oh, we're so sorry we heard about this event, which involves, say, you know, this Asian group, the subgroup. The interesting, funny thing is when growing up in California, if something bad happened to a Japanese family down the street or a Korean family down the street, my parents were like, Well, that's not us. That's not Chinese. It's just, I mean, yeah, they have dark hair, but 
I mean, blacks have dark hair, the Hispanics have. So it just wasn't that. So the Asian American concept, this is a much more longer conversation, but the irony of that is while some, many people in the evangelical tribe find great warmth and comfort and familiarity, familiarity in the phrase Asian American, Asian American Christianity. Oh, this is the Asian American Christian fellowship. That is actually a term from Berkeley in LA, like from like the ethnic studies departments of basically neo-Marxists that were trying to form a political caucus to basically have yellow fever combined with black power. So, so it's really interesting how that happens. But all this is to say that there's an interesting cultural moment now where Asians, at least in my context, me as a Chinese American, I'm invited to speak on things now. Now, whether it just is a passing fad, you know, because there was some widely, widely reported crimes and then when it goes on, nothing will change. But there's another dimension. Um, and I don't know if I've said this publicly before here, but I think there's an interesting conundrum when it comes to social issues of biblical faithfulness or justice. Let me try to phrase it. And let me try to come back to this question to how can Chinese heritage churches engage with others? It seems to me that if there's an issue that it, it either has affected you or it hasn't affected you, if it's an issue of justice and it's affected you, honest, you might honestly have been hurt. You might have baggage. You might even be, you might be re-traumatized or triggered when those issues come up. And admittedly, if people don't see how important that issue is to you, when you talk about it, that hurt, baggage, anger, resentment, brokenness might come out through our voice. And so what you have is people that either get it because they've gone through that and they go, yes, I, that's a problem in our world. Or they go, I don't get it. But all I know is you're kind of radiating anger and anger, I don't know, it turns me off or I want, to I want to pull back from anger. The people that aren't angry, honestly, it's hard for them to see it. And, and that's, I say this is a human thing. This is not like a particular issue of race or morality. If something hasn't affected us, if a law hasn't affected us, you know, People thought, oh, immigration is such a big deal. This president's doing this or that. When I talked to my Russian pastor friend, he's like, oh, that democratic president tied up the immigration patterns from Russia, like the last administration. No one talks about that. <laughs> but, but we in the Russian evangelical church know all about that. It's totally affected our churches. And I go, oh, it's funny. When I think of immigration, I'm probably in the news thinking of Asians because I'm an Asian or maybe Latin American, South American because of the refugee migration issues here. But I don't honestly haven't thought about Russian immigration, which started, which apparently under a couple presidencies ago, uh, actually affected things. I believe it was under President Obama. So the the goal would be: Can you get someone who is not directly injured or traumatized or angered by this issue to care enough about the issue to then advocate and speak to that issue, or can someone who's gone through that issue and been traumatized be so healed and renewed by the power of the gospel? that they can now talk to people that haven't been affected by it. So take, take white privilege or systemic racism. If you believe it, you absolutely believe it. If you don't, it's very offensive to be told that you're a racist or that you have privilege. It's just, there's very hard of a middle ground. The only, the closest times I've seen to have a productive conversation is when someone can calmly understand and explain, yeah, I get that you personally are not racist and you personally have not owned slaves and all these other things. But I think how it comes across is X, Y, Z. That, that is so hard. Now, to come back to the Chinese Heritage Church, I find myself in spaces in the city of Boston where I'm working with people from Arab-speaking countries, Spanish-speaking countries, or backgrounds, and um, you know, African-speaking countries. There's a lot of hurt and trauma. And of course, even in Asian 
populations or even in Chinese populations, a lot of hurt and trauma. I have to say that God has spared me for whatever reason from a lot of that, but I've been blessed. Well, I've been blessed to be surrounded by some of those traumatically impacted peoples. And so I feel like God's helping me understand just a little bit of their experiences without having had to go through the horrible experience they have. And so I think to a degree, the Chinese Heritage Church, especially the predominantly middle upper class, mm. social economic demographic, well-educated and articulate, but also very much, very much in connections with immigration, being seen as a foreigner. It's a really interesting overlap of those two things. And so I think it seems to me that a Chinese, just in the same way the the global missions world, you know, when American born Chinese go to places, they go, it's good you can go to this country to do missions because you're not white. So they don't know you're American and you can get in there, but you can then go and, you know, you can go undercover or something. Um, I think there's an analogous dimension here when we talk about race and justice and evangelism. And I know some of your listeners might be unhappy with the use of justice and biblical justice because there's this whole debate now about biblical justice versus social justice. But, but that, being a ver that being a valid conversation, I think the Chinese Heritage Church is an untapped resource for the Christian church at large to talk about what are some of the experiences you have faced for generations and dealing with that and how can we speak with grace and love to have some affinity to, let's be honest, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant middle-class evangelical world, but also the, you know, maybe the minority world, um, the people that didn't have the greatest education or the highest paying jobs or the most eloquent speech. So I think it's a really interesting, like in a Chinese heritage church, you will have potentially very low wage earning, uneducated older folks or younger folks that can't speak the language, but you'll also have very successful professionals. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just uncommon in a traditional white church in our cities, in our suburbs, because our suburbs are social, socioeconomically, you know, sorted out to use that famous book. So long way of getting around that I, it's, there's still a lot of strands, but I think healthy Chinese heritage churches is going to be opening so many opportunities mm. to meaningfully engage um, across different racial groups, cultural groups, socioeconomic groups. So that was a long answer. You can edit that out. So that's fine. But like, those are some of my rambling thoughts, which is now 11 p.m. here in the East Coast, which is fine because I'd be awake anyway. But those are some of my, I don't know if I answered your question, but those are some of the thoughts. Oh, definitely. I, I think that you, you, you've hit on a lot of things that at our church we've, we've talked about and we've thought through. And I think what's challenging is that we, we haven't seen a lot of examples of it, or we haven't seen, um, uh, I don't know if we've even seen it like on a personal level and then to see it at like a, a more, you know, a, a higher level with churches like church to church or, um, having those sort of conversations, have you seen some of that being demonstrated or have you seen some of those conversations happening, whether at your own church or with, with other Chinese heritage churches? Wow. I'm going to say something that is probably even more abstract and obtuse and hard to follow than I just said. Um, the answer to why I think that's a challenge is because it is not very traditional Chinese culture to be self-promoting. I would almost say in certain contexts, it is the unpardonable sin. We have a joke when people want to be ordained. If a pastor asks, hey, how long will it take to get ordained? My response is, well, 
if you ask that in a typical Chinese heritage church, you set yourself back three years just by asking the question. Uh, because, you know, there is this spiritual concept concept in Chinese heritage, in Chinese spirituality of like suffering and poverty. It's probably some of that is biblical. Probably some of that is cultural and Confucian and things like that. Like that's, that's why a lot of, you know, there are churches who sort of think it's the job of the church to keep the pastor humble uh, by having a perhaps more modest or humble pay. So when you take that self-promotion thing and then you take all issues of advocacy and justice or propheticness, we'll, we'll not use justice, excuse me, we'll talk about like being a prophet or having a prophetic voice. You have to speak out and stir the pot and hmm. shake, you know, rock the boat, if you will. None of those things will, you can't do that from an organizational church level, because if you did that, you wouldn't probably be in a Chinese heritage church anymore. So the very irony is that if you did that, you wouldn't have the platform to do it from, but mm. you would have a great platform in a white church because they'd love that, you know, or a Korean heritage church, right? So, so the way I think a Chinese heritage church or a, a classically Chinese personality, and again, there's obviously a huge range of personality. I'm not trying to project as if there's only one Chinese personality, but in general, if we are, not big on self-promoting, if we're not big on complaining out loud, if righteous, if we, if Chinese heritage churches really resonate with the suffer in silence, like Jesus Christ suffered the silent suffering servant, we, our churches dig that, right? Um, then I think the way the Chinese heritage church would have influence is by being so, and this is all going to be a grace of God, so faithful and so compelling that people ask you about that. Now that mm. is such a tall order because basically you're saying the church has to be such a compelling witness that people ask you to be on a panel to talk about church health, that people ask you to speak at a conference, that people ask you and approach you, how are you doing church without being, without self-promoting? Because mm. it's just, it just doesn't work that way. Um, mm -hmm. You guys know that I have a worship a leading book. I think John's bought one. So that means I've had four copies sold or something. <laughs> and so, the publisher who's white and Christian has a very practical way for pastors to publish. Well, they said, Enoch, you, do you ever speak at other places in churches? I said, oh yeah, actually, I guess I do have an opportunity, you know, a fairly good opportunity to preach it in places. Oh, just bring your book and sell it. And I go, oh no, no, I cannot do that <laughs> in a Chinese heritage <laughs> church. That the, I, I, the best thing you could do is, uh, Chinese is, is bring a few copies to give them away and say, oh, I don't have room, so I gave you all. If you want more, you can look it up later. Like that would be the humble Chinese way, right? You can't self-promote. <laughs> so you can't even get the platform that people want. And because of this other American evangelical predilection where sometimes we conflate Asian American Christianity with what I would consider probably more of a Korean flavor Christianity. And I don't say that pejoratively or negatively, but I think a lot of my Korean friends realize, because I've been talking to a bunch of them over the years, you know, when when like, you know, there's a famous organization that had recently watched a panel on Asian American Christianity. And I was just struck by the fact that these are three Korean Americans. I don't like, really? Like, I mean, mm. you can't do that with like, you can't have three white guys talking about the American church. Like that would just, people would just say, clearly that's an, you're, you're clearly omitting someone. So yeah. um, not to mention that many people might take issue with the gender, uh, but that, that was a complementary organization. But also to say that there's a bunch of things that conspire. And this is why it's interesting where, say one example is Pastor Steve Chin again. One of the things that I learned is my Korean pastor friends just really respect him. And you know, I love him, I admire him, 
but I don't think he comes off as, I don't know, super impressive. Like, I think he's the kind of guy that you're impressed as you get to know him more. You serve alongside him. You see his humble faithfulness. So I would ask them, oh, like, why do Koreans like, oh, Koreans all admire Pastor Steve. I said, oh, why? It's like, because he's been at church for 40 years. Like, it's <laughs> like, they, we cannot fathom that. I said, oh, oh, okay. That's interesting. But it took him 40 years to get that. Yeah. Okay. And so if it takes that long from a non-promoting mental state that doesn't advocate for yourself, unless, and that's why I've been in settings where I was in a sort of Boston, larger discussion here of like Christian leaders in Boston. And, and you know, there's Latinos and blacks and whites and a Korean brother. And, you know, they were, were having a discussion about an issue. And then they finally said, Enoch, what do you think? And I said my thoughts and, hey, you know, this is great. You should just speak up next time. Now, so I looked around the room and I calculated how well I know these people and, and this could get me in trouble. Um, but basically the irony is at the start of that meeting, before we went to the business of our ministry, one of my friends, a Korean American pastor had given a talk on cultural contextual communication. Uh, I think um, uh, cultural context, it's, one, it's a, it's a well-known business book on talking, the, the, culture, the culture code or something like that. And anyway, so I looked at him, he looked at me and smiled, which I guess was his okay. If you go there, Enoch, I think it'll be okay. I said, are you guys basically saying in order for me to contribute, I need to be more black or white or Korean? Like, and they said, no, 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 or Latin, no, no, but, but you are because you're saying just volunteer. And I'm not, I don't begrudge that. And actually I'm probably considered a very assertive Chinese person for you know my demographic in my church. But at my own church, I, I, I'm probably dial it down a lot more. And then I have to turn it, I have to adjust my dial if I'm in a, a room with a bunch of white mm -hmm. pastor mm -hmm. friends. Yeah. Because if I don't speak up, you know, that would just never talk and that's fine. So, so that goes back to your point about like, I think those would be some of the interesting things. That's why for me, there are probably a lot more amazing, healthier Chinese heritage churches out there. We just don't know them mm. because no one platforms them and they don't platform themselves. I just, you just got to find them. Yeah. And so that's sort of my, that's my premise. Uh, and actually, I don't think that's limited to Chinese heritage churches. I just think there's a lot of godly, amazing churches out there that their pastor doesn't write a book. <laughs> their evangelism ministry is not profiled in Christianity today. You know, they don't have a celebrity worship band with them and there's nothing wrong with those things. But yeah, I just think there's a lot more amazing faithful people in the kingdom doing the work of God. Um, and then how do you, and I guess the solution has been let's platform them. We could and make them to be, but I also wonder if this whole model of platforming people is too limited. Um, let's just connect them and give them their email and then have them talk. So, so that's a little bit of what I mean, like this whole engaging with other contexts. It's an interesting moment that to have credibility with the larger Christian ecosystem, you sort of need credibility with your own church. And in some contexts, that means write a book. That means grow your church big. It means preach an amazing sermon. But in the Chinese Heritage Church, the people that you pastor won't think that you know, they, they may not think you're ready until you pastored there for 40 years. <laughs> oh, not, so that's kind of a funny thing, but um, that's why if we can stay alive and stay long enough, then hopefully maybe in 25 years, maybe we'll have some more influence <laughs> if the Lord allows. But, but I'm sort of joking, but I think that's what you signed up for if you want to be in a Chinese heritage church. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we do accept the challenge of trying to find some of these folks. And I know you said not, we're not necessarily trying to platform them, but we do want to share their stories and right. hear about what God is doing in their ministries. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think that this has been uh, both a challenge and a joy for, for Jalen and I doing this podcast and being able to, you know, uh, connect with other pastors. Uh, but something that you talked about, just how you, even for yourself, you dial it down or have to dial it up depending on the, the group that you're with. I definitely, I 100% resonate with that, you know, that I feel like in, in certain settings, like maybe at, even at my church, I could be seen as more, like I often will speak my mind, but in a, a setting of pastors that are not like me, then I would be much more reserved or quiet listening, waiting for an opportunity to, you know, to, to share. And yeah, that, that definitely comes into play. So if you're listeners, if you're out there and you feel that way, just know you're not alone in that. It definitely resonates with, with me for sure. So Enoch, we appreciate you being on with us. Uh, we've gone way past the time that we originally planned um, for this podcast. So I think we're probably gonna wrap things up here, but we just had one last question for you before we kind of uh, sign off here. Um, but do you have any piece of advice or encouragement that you would just give to someone that is currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? I just, the older I get, I just don't know how to do one piece of advice or encouragement because I think there's so many churches in so many different places. I would just say, remind them that the Lord is with them. Mm. And then wherever, I think that's like a, that can meet you wherever you are in your church. Um, I guess, yeah, that the Lord is with you and he could be with you through the struggle. He could be with you as you navigate some very challenging changes. He could be with you as you decide that he's calling you to a different thing than some even pastoring or serving in a, he may be with you as you leave the Chinese Heritage Church. So I guess that's, I'll leave it with that. The Lord is with you. He's good. He's faithful. And uh, if we can remember that, we might actually be able to go further than we usually think we can. That's great. It's a good word. And we've seriously enjoyed having this conversation with you. I think we could spend so much more time just kind of pulling on some of the strands and yeah. hearing more about your thoughts on, on, on the Chinese Heritage Church. So we're so thankful for, for your time with us, Enoch. We'll definitely have you back on and we'll, you know, uh, we'll rehearse maybe years from now. We'll look back and, and, and replay some of these clips and, and see how prophetic you were with, with some of the answers you've given here. But thank you so much, Enoch. We, uh, we loved having you. At the very least, we need to have you on every year around our birthday. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, right. thanks. Just don't hold me to biblical prophets because, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's scary, but thanks. It's honestly, you guys are super encouraging to me and I've enjoyed getting to know both of you guys. Um, definitely want to see you both come out to Boston soon uh, at some point in your ministries, but thanks. Yeah, Appreciate absolutely. you guys. Thanks, Enoch. Thanks, Enoch. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.